0: Hello there, and welcome to Spoonful of Medicine. This is a teaspoon mini-sode, so get ready for a dose of some short, sharp, and concentrated paediatric education. On today's mini-sode, we're talking to Dr. Shri Aethel, a consultant paediatric audiologist, all about the newborn hearing assessment and hearing screening. Hi, Shri. Thank you so much for joining us again. Can you start off by telling us... Why is it done and why? what's the importance of neonatal hearing
1: assessment? There's several reasons for neonatal screening. The main reason is that it's the most common congenital condition, um, which is about 30 times more than any other you know, congenital conditions. Apart from being common, it's... Also, like occurs about nine out of ten times in families with no history of hearing loss. So people do not suspect, like you know, when they see a healthy baby, they don't suspect anything wrong with the hearing. So nine out of times, which is quite a significant um, uh, uh, ratio. And thirdly, the incidence of moderate hearing loss is about two per thousand. Can you just recap
0: for us, what does a moderate hearing loss mean objectively?
1: mm mm-hmm. A hearing threshold of 20 decibel across the whole frequency region is considered as normal hearing. And if the hearing is more than 20 decibels, depending upon the level, the classification goes as mild, moderate, moderately severe, severe and profound. So anything more than 40 decibels is considered as a moderate degree of hearing loss. And that has significant implications on the language development and then the following educational um, uh, achievement as well. So that's why it's very, very important to catch it as early as we can. And lastly, research has shown that if we diagnose the hearing loss early on and then start the rehabilitation by six months of age, that's when we get the maximum benefits. That's
0: quite, that's quite interesting to know um, and understand the depth of why it's so important for a baby to be screened. Now, can you tell us a bit about what exactly the newborn hearing screening entails? Because I know as a junior doctor, when I do a baby check, I often see that the hearing screening nurses come by and they've screen the baby in terms of a hearing assessment but to be honest with you i don't know exactly what tests that entails and exactly what that is assessing so can you enlighten us a bit about that
1: the newborn hearing screening involves assessing the auditory status of the um, neonate so it mainly checks the uh, functioning of the inner ear and then the auditory nerve up to the level of the brainstem there are two different tests that are used for screening. One is the autoacoustic emissions, other one is the automated auditory brainstem response or the double ABR. The double ABR is preferred one mainly because it checks the whole of the auditory system rather than up to the inner ear, which is what the autoacoustic emissions does. It depends upon the local of you know, guidelines. In Queensland, we are using the double uh, uh, APR, which is used quite often in most of the places within Australia.
0: I know in terms of um, hearing screening, I've heard this sort of th- 136 rule or
1: 136 concept. Can you tell us a, um, a a bit about that? Yeah, that's the international guidelines, the 136 rule. That is, the screening, the hearing screening needs to be completed by one month of age. The diagnostic assessment needs to be completed by three months of age. And then the habilitation process should have commenced by six months of age. As I referred to earlier, The best outcomes are when the hearing loss is identified by three months and then the rehabilitation has begun by six months of age. There's so much of auditory development that goes on in the first few months of life and that's why we need that to capture that and that's where the 136 guidelines have been adopted. So catch it quickly, catch it
0: efficiently and start working on helping the child. Exactly. We now know what the hearing screening is but... What happens when, once the screen is completed? And indeed, kind of in what time frame does the screen need to happen?
1: Usually screening is done after a minimum of six hours after birth. Usually it's done just before the baby is discharged so that it gives time for the amniotic fluid in the middle to resolve or the vernix in the ear canal to resolve. Sometimes if you uh, do the screening on the day two, you get better results than day one because of the amniotic fluid and the vernix uh, in their uh, ears. So if the baby does not pass the first screen in one or both years, then the nurse does the second screen, usually after 12 hours apart. But again, that depends upon the local guidelines. And if the baby does not pass the second screen in one or two years, then they're referred for diagnostic assessment because we need to know whether there's a permanent hearing loss or whether it's a transient hearing loss and what's going on with the ears.
0: Okay. And so you did mention just now that if a baby doesn't pass the initial screen, it is repeated in about 12 hours. What's the reason for that time interval? Why why not repeat it instantly or why not only wait one or two hours before you repeat the screen and get an answer quicker?
1: As I said, the amniotic fluid in the ear sometimes takes a while to resolve and the only way it can resolve is it has the eustachian tube down the throat. And as a baby's sucking and swallowing gets a bit stronger, they can resolve that fluid through their eustachian tube. And giving them that time helps it to resolve um, that fluid and so it get better screening results. So kids often pass the screening if they're done a bit later rather than much earlier.
0: And now for those kids who don't pass their hearing screen and then they're referred in to your audiology clinics, what kind of does the pathway or journey look like for them from there?
1: Depending upon the local guidelines the bilateral refers are given priority they're seen as early as they can and here um, we see them within two weeks or if there's a unilateral refer we see them within six weeks but again depends upon the local guidelines. When they come for diagnostic assessment we test the whole of the auditory system. Screening checks mainly the high frequencies um, it doesn't check the mid to the low frequencies. But then when come for diagnostic assessment, we check the whole frequency region from low mid and the high frequencies. And the neonatal ear is a very immature year. So, It behaves very differently. So we check each part of the ear with different tests. We check the middle ear through tympanometry. Then we check the inner ear function through autoacoustic emission. And then we check the auditory nerve function using the uh, auditory brainstem response. And then we collate all the results. And then that tells us if there's a problem. And um, if if there's a hearing loss, what the nature of the problem is, whether it's a conductive or the middle ear problem, or is it a permanent inner ear problem, or is it a neural problem?
0: And following on from there, once you've diagnosed the child or you suspect that you've narrowed down where the pathology may lie, what happens from there? How are they referred on and what sort of intervention is thought
1: about, considered or started? If the infant has normal hearing in both ears and if there are no high risk factors for hearing loss such as family history or torch complex or craniofacial anomalies, then we discharge the infant. If there's a hearing, if there's hearing is normal and if there are risk factors then we follow them at a later age depending upon the local guidelines with us we see them between nine and twelve months of age and again at three and a half years so that we capture if there's any delayed onset of hearing loss if the hearing loss is transient, which is due to the amniotic fluid or the uh, the vernix in the ear, we follow them again at three months of age, and again that depends upon the local guidelines. It's mainly wait, watch, and see, and um, after review, even after six months, if there's a significant hearing loss, then we refer for ENT investigation to see if they they need grommets. And while they're waiting for surgery, sometimes surgery may not be the solution from six to nine months. In that case, we refer for interim hearing aids so that they don't miss out on any of the sounds. If the hearing loss is permanent, then again, it depends upon the degree of hearing loss. With Irrespective of the degree of loss, first they have to try hearing aids for a period of uh, time. And if it's a severe to profound hearing loss, then they move on to go for our cochlear implants.
0: Well, that was really informative, Sri. Thank you so much for telling us a bit more about the newborn hearing screen. And I know I've learnt um, a fair bit about what exactly that entails and what happens for those infants.
1: Thank you for the opportunity, Namisha. And
0: that's been this week's Teaspoon Minisode. Join us next time for some short, sharp paediatric information. Bye.